guys, I'm a very, very broken person. Like, look, I, I got problems, yo. So I grew up a, a PK, a pastor's kid. Any other PKs in the room? We got a few, like or MKs, missionary kids. See, and you know that whenever you're, you're a PK or some of your friends are PKs um, or uh, maybe you knew somebody and maybe you guys know this, that really there's only two trajectories that you go whenever you're a PK. Either uh, you yourself um, end up as a pastor or like a missionary or heavily involved in ministry or you end up in jail. There's really nothing in between. And look, I don't look good in orange. So here we are, right? Here we are. Uh, so I grew up at PK. My, my dad's a pastor. And uh, my, my, my dad's dad uh, was also a pastor, right? So I got pastor kind of on one side. Now, on my mom's side, uh, my mom's dad was like this, like, traveling evangelist. And he was like the Spanish Billy Graham, where he would go around uh, Puerto Rico, like, doing, like, these, like, evangelistic revivals. And in Mexico and kind of Central, Central America and North America. Uh, so through his ministry, uh, God was saving a lot of people, including members of the Puerto Rican mob true story. The Puerto Rican drug cartel, right? These gangsters. So they, uh, they didn't wanted to put an end because they were losing money because these guys were like becoming Christians and they weren't like pushing drugs anymore. Um, so they did a drive-by shooting at their house, right? So my grandpa got shot and my mom also got shot, right? But she was hardcore. So she went in, grabbed the shrapnel, threw it. No, she didn't. She went to the hospital, right? So they, they both went, went to the hospital. Like, that was funny. You can laugh. It's okay. Uh, they both went to the hospital. And fortunately, by God's grace, both of them recovered uh, from, from these bullet wounds, right? But during that time, they realized that it wasn't safe to be in Puerto Rico anymore. Like the gover- Puerto Rican government told them it wasn't safe. So they needed to find somewhere to go. Um, they got invited to go to Texas, right? So again, remember my, my dad's dad uh, was also a pastor. Um, so they ended up going to that church where my my dad's dad was a pastor. Um, so my parents met the, literally the next day when they were 16 years old, and they start dating a few months later. They were high school sweethearts, right? They get married. Aww. So they have, they have my older sister, uh, and then they have me, right? I say all that to say, this amazing story of, like, God working in the life, of like, on my mom's side and my dad's side, and I come from, like, two lines of ministry families, and yet I still have problems, Right? I've been a Christian for a very long time. I became a Christian as a kid, right? And I've been a Christian now. Like, we got to celebrate my birthday last week. Thank you. Uh, but so I've been a Christian now for, for a very long time. And uh, even in spite of that, I still have problems. Like, I was set up about as well as you could be, right? My parents loved me. My parents loved Jesus. My parents raised me really well. We still have a fantastic relationship. And I still have problems. Like, look, when I, when I was in high school, um, I wanted to be liked, right? So what did I do? I joined short show choir to be liked, right? That didn't work at all. So, so then I, I ran for class president, and I actually ran for class president all four years and won all four years. Um, but did me being class president, did that help me get any more friends? No. Did that get me invited to any more parties? No. I just meant I had to plan my high school class reunion, right? So, so then in, in college, so my high school was like a secular kind of public high school. Uh, and, and so I was like the Christian kid and the Bible kid. In college, I went to a private Christian university, Sikkim Bears, and I realized there that my faith wasn't actually as strong as I thought it was, right? I had this agnostic roommate my freshman year. He started asking me a lot of these really great questions, and I realized I just didn't have a lot of good answers for him, right? And in that moment, I realized, wow, 
I, I, don't, I don't even, I can't even articulate Jesus. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, so from that, I learned a lot of doctrine and a lot of theology. So I'd have answers for people the next time people asked me questions. So what happened was I just became a smarter sinner, right? And I accidentally, accidentally became like this really judgmental, like legalistic Pharisee. It happens, right? So that, that didn't work. I, I moved, so I graduated with a film degree in college. And then I moved to Dallas, and in Dallas, um, my, my, I graduated with a film degree. My dream job, my dream job, was to work as a communications director, like, at an organization, right? So I'm working in this, started out working in video, and my goal is, man, if I can just, like, work, find my dream job as a communications director, then everything will be all right. Like, I'll work my way up. And it happened. Like, less than two years after I graduated college, I land what I thought was my dream job, Right? And as you know, maybe you've had experienced this before, um, dream jobs often don't turn out the way that you think they will, right? And that's exactly what happened. Like, clearly, I'm not there anymore. I'm here. Um, in, in spite of all that, in, in high school, in, in college, in working, in my career, right, through all this, and maybe, maybe you experienced this, you're, like, you're trying to find the one, right? You're trying to find the, the happily ever after, the one that's just going to make everything good, right? So, so back in Dallas, you know, there was this girl that I ended up, ended up dating, and we were kind of exploring things, kind of how things would, would see where things would play out, and it could have been, you know, we're, both of us are looking for a happily ever after. Um, it could have been ever after, but I'm not convinced it would have been happily, like if you know what I mean, right? So, so I'll say all that to say, so in high school, college, career, relationships, all of these problems in my life. And I realized that really all of my problems are really only two problems, right? They're really only two problems. Here's the first problem. I can't solve all of my problems no matter how hard I try. I can't solve all of my problems no matter how hard I try. And number two, I get upset that I can't solve all of my problems no matter how hard I try, right? So this is like, one, I can't solve all of my problems no matter how hard I try. Two, I get upset that I can't solve all of my problems no matter how hard I try. So like, it's kind of me trying to solve my problems. It's kind of like this. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I worked at the YMCA. And uh, so it was, it was a really fun job. I got to work with kids. And there was this uh, six-year-old kid, like cool kid, kind of sandy blonde hair, athletic, this six-year-old kid named Gavin. And Gavin was playing out in the playground. And then he comes back as he's playing and says, like, Mr. Isaac, I chocolated my pants, right? So, dude, I'm like, dude, go, go to the bathroom, go clean up, like, go, go take care of that. So he goes to the bathroom and cleans up, and I, I go in to check in on him, see how he's doing. And I walk in, and it looked and it smelled like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, just like hitting me in the face, Right? There, there was chocolate on the, on the walls, chocolate on the floor, chocolate on the white throne. Right? Like, it was, it was disgusting. And that's me trying to solve my problems. Is I just make things messier. Like, I try and I try and I try and I try to solve my problems and things are happening and I try to find solutions for them. And I inevitably, oftentimes, just make things worse. Right? So to quote the great songwriter Julie Michaels, she says this. Because I got issues. The next line but you got them too, right? My suspicion, my suspicion is that I'm not the only one in this room that has problems, right? I think all of us have problems, and all of us, we try to solve them, we try and we try and try to solve them, and it doesn't, nothing happens. And then we get upset that we can't solve them, and then now we have another problem is our, that we're upset, right? So like maybe, maybe you're applying for that job, 
and you're applying, and you're applying, and you're applying, and you're applying, and nothing's happening, and you're applying, applying, applying. Or maybe this, you have a relationship with a family member, or with a, uh, with, with a sibling, or with a roommate, and you're trying to fix the relationship, and nothing seems to be happening, and you try, and you try, and you try. Or maybe there's like this like sin issue that keeps coming up, and they keep getting tempted, and keep falling over and over, and you're trying, and you're trying, and trying, and nothing's happening. So then what happens oftentimes, we, some of us, like, we get really fearful, like, we get really anxious at the idea that we can't solve our problems. Uh, for some of us, we get really angry and frustrated that we can't solve our problems. And for some of us, like, we just feel shame, right? We just feel guilt and condemnation, right? So I think all of, in this, all of us in this room can identify with that, is that we have problems that we can't control, and we get upset that we can't have control our problems, Fortunately, there's good news, right? I, just don't, I don't say that just to be, to be dire. Fortunately, there's good news because here at the table, we're not the first group of people that struggled with this, right? Actually, uh, Christians, Christ followers, have been dealing with this for a very, very long time. Actually, the, the boys that literally walked with Jesus for three years, they also struggled with this. Like, they had problems. So fortunately, Jesus tells them in a conversation that he, that he had with them on what to do whenever we have problems. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, we're going to look at John, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, where uh, the gospel, uh, the John, the, uh, the author of the gospel of John, uh, records a conversation that Jesus had uh, with the dudes that were following with him for three years, his disciples. So let's jump in. John chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. All right, so we have to stop right there. Uh, because I think for a lot of us, and this happens a lot of times in the New Testament, um, is anybody here a farmer? No? No? Okay, anybody like trying to get with a farmer or farmers only? No? Okay. So, so we're not farmers. And I think this happens a lot of times in the New Testament uh, because like these like farming illustrations, these farming kind of parables and metaphors that Jesus uses, oftentimes like we don't really get it. And as we're reading through scripture, we just kind of like, ah, I don't, I'm not a farmer. I don't, I don't get that. We just kind of blow, blow past it, right? If only Jesus would have said something slightly more helpful to us, like I am the true Netflix and my father is the internet service provider, right? Then maybe, maybe we would understand a little more. Uh, but I think, I think Jesus knew what he was doing. And that the, what, the words that he's saying would have to last for centuries and for millennia. And I think he knew what he was doing. However, that requires a little bit of contextualization on our part to see, hey, the words that Jesus spoke to that group of people back then, how, how can we understand this today? So in verse 2, he says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You don't want to be that guy. And every branch that does bear fruit, he blesses that it may bear more fruit. But it doesn't say blesses, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. We want it to say blesses, right? We want it like we see fruit in our lives and we want God to bless this fruit, right? It may only makes sense, but that's not what Jesus says. He says that he prunes every branch that does bear fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. And for those of us that have been following Jesus, this is one of the most painful verses in the Bible. Let's say that you were in a relationship, right? And you thought the relationship was going really well, that God was blessing it, and you saw a lot of fruit in that relationship, and then God pruned it. And we get upset. So like, see, we, sometimes we call it a problem, but God may call it pruning, right? We see this thing that's like really helpful in our lives that we think God is blessing, and then he stops, <laughs> 
And we get upset about that. So uh, that's a whole another sermon for another day. But that's part of the reason why we struggle maintaining this healthy perspective of, of this pruning season of fruit um, in our life. All right, so what, what is fruit? You may be thinking, what is fruit? Is fruit like a really successful career? Is fruit a lot of money? Is fruit seemingly good things happen to us? Like whenever good things are happening to us, we think that that's the fruit in our lives? Maybe. But I think the most helpful way to think through fruit is what the Apostle Paul recorded in his letter to the church in Galatia, where he gave, like, I think, what is a really helpful way to think through what fruit is. So you don't have to turn there, but look on the screen. It's in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20 through 22 through 23, where he says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as we think through fruit in our lives, I think this is the most helpful way to think through it, is looking at our lives and seeing, do I see love in my life? Do I see joy? Excuse me. Do I see peace? Do I see patience? Do I see kindness? Do I see goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? This is such a fantastic metric for seeing, do I have fruit in my life? Do I see these things evident in my life? Am I a part of the branch that Jesus is a part of, right? So we see this fruit in our lives, and, uh, we, and then we think that maybe we do see this fruit in our life. Uh, and then we think that it's this fruit that actually um, gets us in good standing before God. Right? We think that, well, I, I'm a very loving person. I'm a very um, self-controlled person. I'm a very gentle person. Like Jesus, you should be patting me on the back because I can present myself clean before you because of this good fruit in my life. But that's, that's not what Jesus says. In verse 3, he says this. He says, already you are clean because of the good works that you do. No, because of the, the fruit that's in your life. No, he says this. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Friends, look, Jesus makes us clean. Jesus makes us clean. It's not this fruit in our lives that we see that makes us clean. It's Jesus that makes us clean. But oftentimes, whenever we see that we don't have this fruit in our life, we just kind of feel it, like we don't have this fruit in our life, then we have a tendency to avoid Jesus, right? Because if, if you think you've offended somebody, you have a tendency to avoid them, right? And for anybody who's gone through a breakup knows this. If you, or maybe like a bad like friendship that didn't work out or a family member, right? Like if you have, if you feel like you've offended somebody, you tend to avoid. So us trying to be clean before we go to Jesus is like trying to be clean before you take a shower, right? It just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really make sense, right? Like you go to the shower to be clean. And likewise, we go to Jesus to be clean, and then we get to the pretty much like the core, the core of this passage here in verse 4, where he says this. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. Right? Jesus introduces this word called abide. And abide isn't really a, it's not really a religious term, right? It's not really exclusive to Jesus, um, abide simply means continue in me, uh, remain in me, as he's using it there. And this is the first time that Jesus is actually telling us to do something. Because up until that point, he, he's, he really hasn't told us to do anything. He has just said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Then he says, you're, if, if you're fruiting, you're going to get pruned, right, which is a good thing. Uh, and then he says, I make you clean. But this is the first time that he tells us to do something, where he says this, abide in me and I in you. So 
If you've been a Christian for a long time, or if you've even kind of sniffed a church, uh, you know that this idea of abiding is pretty common, right? For maybe a VBS, uh, maybe, maybe you heard it, to so abide. But as I was really thinking through this this week of like, how, how can I be as helpful as possible to think through what does abide actually mean, right? And then I'm and then like, continue in Jesus, remain in Jesus. Like, no, no, no. What does abide actually mean? It means, it means to be with, like, no, 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 no. What does abide actually mean? I need, I need like a helpful, really helpful, practical definition, right? Do you guys feel that way? Like, just wanting a really practical definition. What does abide actually mean? So, so here's this. Maybe this is helpful for you. The definition of abide. Believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and trusting that his word is true. Believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and trusting that his word is true, right? Abiding, believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and that his word is true. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you are loved by God sitting there right now, right? Maybe you've heard, well, abiding is praying. Maybe you've heard abiding is reading your Bible. Maybe abiding is fasting. Abiding is doing these spiritual disciplines. Maybe, but at its core, abiding, do you believe that you are loved by God unconditionally and know that his word is true? What he has revealed to you is true. Do you know that? Do you know that? So that's the most helpful way that I can think through what is abiding. And Jesus continues in verse 5 where he says this. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides, remember abiding, believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and trusting that his word is true. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. Remember what fruit is. Fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he continues, for apart from me, you can do nothing, <laughs> right? You can't, like, no wonder that we can't solve our problems. Like, no wonder. We can't do anything. We are incapable of solving our problems. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've heard God helps those who help themselves. Have you guys heard that? Completely not true. We are incapable of helping ourselves. God helps those who know that they're incapable of helping themselves. That's what it means to abide. That's what it means to be a Christ follower, is knowing that we are utterly hopeless. We are utterly dependent on Jesus, because apart from him, we can do nothing. So maybe this is helpful for us. I have have this diagram here on, on the screen here, where it says this. Abiding results in fruit. Abiding results in fruit. Abiding, again, believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and trusting that his word is true results in fruit, which is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? So it's not the fruit that helps us abide. You got that backwards. We start with abiding, which is believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and that his word is true, which results in good fruit in your life, right? So, here's the big idea. If we know that's true, if we know that abiding results in fruit, and we know that we are utterly incapable of doing anything, then we know this too. We know that God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. This is a big idea. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. And if you're sitting there already kind of like arguing internally, here, maybe, maybe this. God can do more in five seconds 
than you can do in five years. How about this? God can do more in five milliseconds than you can do in five lifetimes. But for the sake of, I'm just going to say this, God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. You get it, fill in the blank as you wish, but we'll go with this for now. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. You may be wondering what this is. (laughs) So this is grapes. And you may be wondering why some of them are picked off. It has no spiritual implication. It is, I was hungry. (laughs) These are really good grapes. Look, we, we, want, we want grapes in our life, do we not? We want fruit. We want fruit. But look, no God, no grapes. No God, no grapes. Like, if you don't abide, if we're not abiding, which is believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and knowing that his word is true, we are incapable of producing any good fruit. Like, we have to go to God to produce any good fruit in our life. One more. So he says... <laughs> So like no attempt to bear fruit outside of Jesus is going to work. But what we do it sometimes. We do it sometimes. Here, and this is what happens whenever we try to produce fruit in our life or try to do stuff without Jesus. Here's what happens. Um, let's think through work, for example. So we have not abiding and we have abiding, okay? Not abiding and abiding. So what happens whenever we think through work? And for work, I'm defining as uh, like maybe your job or maybe just like adulting. Isn't adulting hard? Can we just like... Adulting's hard, right? So I'm going to put that in the work category because it is definitely work. Uh, the tax season's coming up. I think I just got my W-2. So work, maybe, or maybe this, maybe like uh, a, um, uh, a, a, a problem that you have with somebody, like beef that you have, and it takes like effort. Maybe, maybe that's how I'm going to define work, anything that takes effort right? That's, so it's like the opposite of like Netflix binging, right? It's things that take effort um, in, in your life, right? So this is what happens when we don't abide. Look, we're, we're, we're stressed and we're busy. When you're not abiding, this is what happens. We're stressed and we're busy, right? We're busy, busy, and stressed. And if, and you, like, I don't, I don't even, I could just stop talking about this right now. You already get it, right? But I'm not. I'll talk about it for a few seconds. So, right, because you've experienced this in, in your work, right? You just go, 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 go. You're stressed. You're busy. Like, I talk to some of you guys. And you're like, how's life? Oh, my gosh, it's crazy right now. I'm so busy. Oh, my gosh, I can't remember the last time that I slept. I think it was Thursday, right? <laughs> like, we're just so busy. We're so busy and we're stressed. But look what happens when we're abiding. Look, look. It says this. It says that we have fruitful productivity, it's not necessarily work that's bad. It's not effort that's bad. Actually, uh, work was given before sin entered into the world. God told Adam to, to work the garden. That's work. But it's a good thing. Work is a good thing. But whenever we don't abide, uh, this good thing ends up becoming corrupted in our own souls. So we don't view work as fruitful productivity. We view it as bi- being busy and being stressed. And he- here's the difference between being on the right side of the column versus the left. Just abiding, believing moment by moment that you are loved by God and knowing that his word is true. So it's, the work it ends up being exactly the same. It's not necessarily that our schedules are different. It's just that now we're abiding, so we're not busy and stressed anymore. Now we can have fruitful productivity. Well, what about rest, right? What about rest? What about play? What about that? Well, if we're not abiding, rest ends up being uh, we're bored and we're apathetic. We're bored and we're apathetic, right? So maybe you've experienced this to where like you're just chilling, but then you just get bored 
and then you're trying to find purpose in life and nothing seems to fill that void. And you just try to find these cheap thrills. You keep going out, trying to do stuff. You go out like, well, maybe I'll try this thing. And I'll try this thing. And you're constantly busy and you can't really like sit still, right? It's, it's, is it because you're bored and apathetic? Right? And you're just trying to find something to fill that. But what would happen in our rest if we were abiding? It would look like this. We would have soul-filling rest and peace. We would have soul-filling rest and peace. So we could just sit still and know without accomplishing anything that God is filling our soul because we are unconditionally loved by God and we know that his word is true. Right? So that's what it looks like in work and in rest, what happens when we don't abide and what happens whenever we abide. Jesus continues in verse 6. He says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Again, you don't want to be that guy. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is, this is awesome. Like, this is amazing what he says right here. This is so cool. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Do you see how cool this is, what he's about to say? Like, this is, this is so cool. Look, look, look. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Right? This is amazing. And it will be done for you. And he's not, Jesus isn't some genie that we're like, give me my three wishes, yo. He's, he's saying, look, I want to give you fruit. This, the love, the goodness, the self-control, the gentleness, I want to give it to you. Ask me. Ask me for it. I want to give it to you, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Again, the big idea. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. God can do more in five milliseconds, five whatever you want to fill in there. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. We spend hours and hours and hours and hours and days and years trying to solve our problems, do we not? We do, we do. And here's what Jesus is saying, right? He says, abide. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. Now, what are we to do in light of that, right? If we know that it's true that God can do more in five minutes than we can do in five hours, what do we do, right? How does this impact us tomorrow when we go to work, right? How does this impact us whenever we're sitting at the dinner table? Wait, who am I talking to? How does it impact us when you're driving in your car after you went through Chick-fil-A drive through right? How does it impact us? Can you do this with me? We're going to do, uh, do some exercise together, all right? Pause. Do this. Pause and abide. Pause and abide, right? Whenever you're going through life and you have no idea what to do, pause and abide. Whenever your problems seem huge and ginormous and you don't even know what to do, pause and abide, right? Whenever you're just Bored. Oh my gosh, I'm so bored right now. I don't, maybe I'm going to go do this one thing. I know it may not be good for me, but I'm going to go do it anyway because I'm so bored right now. Pause and abide, right? Whenever you're about to knock someone on their ever-loving, like, oh my gosh, you're making me so mad right now. Pause <laughs> and abide, right? Pause and abide, right? So here, here's this. Oh, the reason, the reason I like this posture right here 
So pause, because it literally, it looks like, you know those like old school, um, I guess, I don't know, do they do this on Netflix when you pause, like put the two things on the screen, like this? No, VHS maybe? You remember VHSs? Okay. So pause, like the pause symbol, and abide. And the reason I like this posture for abide is because you really can't do anything other than maybe hold a small television. I guess you could go widescreen, right? <laughs> if you want to, maybe you want to abide like this, like that's okay. There's no right or wrong. But you really can't do much when you're standing like this. And it's a posture of surrender, and it's a posture of God can do more in five minutes than I can do in five hours. So for the next few moments, I'm just going to pause, and I'm going to abide. And as I'm abiding, I'm saying, God, I know you love me unconditionally, and I know that your word is true. Help produce fruit in my life so that I can continue moving forward. Right? So uh, here, and here's, here's the mo- probably the most practical thing um, that I can tell you guys. I would encourage you to pause and abide one more time a day than you already do. Pause and abide one more time of day than you already do. And the reason I say that like that is because for some of us, we grew up in church, right? And we're like really, really good with our spiritual, spiritual disciplines. And maybe like we've incorporated this, this quiet time maybe, or maybe you've heard it called the daily devotional. And we've gotten like really consistent at it, which, which is great. My encouragement, in, if that's you, if doing a, a quiet time or a daily devotional is something that you're already doing, my encouragement to you would be, are you pausing and abiding? Are you using that time to know and believe moment by moment that you are loved by God and know that his word is true? Or are you using that time to feel like you're doing a good thing and maybe learn some scripture, right? Scripture is great. That's the part of the knowing God's word is true. Like, we love the Bible. We do. But the reason we love the Bible is not because of the Bible. It's because it testifies about Jesus, right? Knowing Jesus is the goal. So in our, in our quiet times, my encouragement is that we would be nourished and filled as we're pausing and biting. Now, maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're, you're not someone that um, regularly practices a daily devotional or a quiet time. So for you, I would say, hey, do you have time where you could pause and abide? Do you have time where you could pause and abide? And when is, when is it going to be? My encouragement would be daily. Pause, one, pause and abide one more time of day than you already do. So if you don't do it at all, cool. When, when's one time a day that you can do it, right? Maybe in the morning, maybe in the afternoon, maybe at lunch, maybe it's at night. What, what's it's a great time that you can pause and abide, right? And as you're kind of, kind of building that rhythm and you're thinking through some more, some more like, hey, well, now I'm pausing and abiding, but are there some other things that I can incorporate? I think I got the pausing and abiding down. Absolutely. Like your, your life group would love to talk to you about that, your life group leader, um, us on staff, right, some of our coaches. Like we would love to talk to you about what could a pausing and abiding time look like. Now, let's say that, you're, again, you're someone that already regularly practices this. Then, man, my encouragement to you would be, what's another time of day where you could pause and abide? Maybe it's the drive home from work as you're driving home, right, and, and kind of redeeming some of that time in the car to where you can just reflect for a few moments. God, I know that I'm unconditionally loved without having to do anything, and I know that your word is true. So please help me produce fruit in my life. And you're just kind of reflecting on your day, thinking through some of the things that you said, some of the actions, seeing if God is showing you or revealing anything to you in those moments, right? Or maybe you already do that, right? Cool. What's another time of day? 
Maybe it's a, it's a third time or a fourth time or, or a fifth time. Because, look, pausing, pausing and abiding is amazing. Because it basically is the core of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, remain in me, continue in me, and I will give you fruit. All right? And I will give you fruit. So this is my, uh, my uh, pausing and abiding on the last, last few days. Um, so I, uh, so I've been prepping and thinking through a lot of this, and God's really been um, convicting me about this, and I'm really trying to incorporate some some pausing and abiding like in, into my own life. So Thursday, th- I had like a super 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 busy week, and I just trying to get everything ready for the table, and we, we launched last week, and I got to meet with some people and had some meetings with some other stuff coming up. So I, I'm like working late in the office Thursday. And after that, then I'm going, and I had a one-on-one with a buddy. So, so we meet up, except the, the Chick-fil-A where we were going to, like, had this really school fundraiser. So we had to, like, change spots. So we did, and we got caught up, and it was awesome. Um, and then after that, I went to a dinner, like a pre-scheduled dinner with some friends. And I'm just, like, going, going, going. And then, and then I get home, and then I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I didn't get everything done. I'm kind of stressed. Like, my, like, like, and then I'm not feeling good kind of about the, the pro- my productivity. I wasn't productive enough. And then I go home, and my roommate is about to watch an episode. Of Survivor, my favorite show. And uh, so he's there and he's about to watch it. And now I have an option. I have an option to, I got to keep working, got to keep grinding, got to get stuff done. But I feel God telling me, Isaac, bro, what are you about to talk about on Tuesday? So in that moment in my living room, pause and abide. And my roommate looked at me like I was weird. It was okay. (laughs) Abide. And then I kind of told him what was going on and felt like in that moment, God was saying, Isaac, just rest. Like, I can do more in five minutes than you can do in five hours. Rest. Trust me. Like, it's going to be okay. The next day, Friday, um, so I'm still kind of trying to get this, get this message ready and try to be as helpful as I can for you guys. Um, so I go to one of my favorite spots, uh, which is now uh, at Yacht Club at Disney, one of the Disney resorts. Do you know that you can go in free, like, to the resorts? It's amazing. Like, the Disney people already know that. Like, old news, bro. Um, but for, all, for, for everyone else, it's free. The, the resorts are free, and they're fun to hang out at. So then I find this restaurant, and did you know that if you get lemonade, they'll just keep refilling it over and over and over and over again? So I go, and I find this couch, and I, the server, like, kept, like, refilling this delicious, like, handmade uh, lemonade. So I'm there, and then I ended up uh, grabbing dinner again, like, with another, with another buddy and some friends um, that night. And so I had about an hour and a half um, between by the time I was finishing up working um, and before I had to go to dinner. So then I go, and if you're familiar with Disney property, you know that Yacht Club is only like three steps away from Epcot, and it's kind of the back part, like where World Showca- where the, all the countries are, World Showcase. So I go to, I had about an hour and a half, so I was like, I think I can make a lap. I'm going to try. So, so I go, and as I start making this lap, and as I'm trying to rest, man, I just hear this voice in my head saying, Isaac, you're not prepared enough. You're going to suck on Tuesday. Like, the other things you have going on is not going to be good. Like, keep working. Like, you haven't worked hard enough, right? And in that moment, I felt God telling me, pause and abide. And I looked like an absolute weirdo walking around Epcot like this. <laughs> but it was helpful. It was helpful for my soul. Right? And then the next day, the next day, uh, we're closing with this. Um, so um, Saturday, Saturday, again, I go to, I guess I went to dinner with friends a lot this week. Um, I go to dinner. You should be in a life group. If you have a life group, then you can go to dinner with friends. It's fun. Um, so, so I was out to dinner with some friends on Saturday. And then, so I'm driving home uh, with, with my roommate. He came with me. And uh, we're trying to go into our apartment. And uh, there was this car that just, like, 
completely cut us off. Completely cut us off. Like, it was like both of us just like, did that, like, did that, like, it's just like, it's so unexpected. It's just kind of like, it's just really unexpected, right? So then, pause and abide. God, I know that I'm unconditionally loved, and I don't want that other person to be too, but they are too. God, I pray that you just produce self-control, because I need it right now in my life, right? And then, here's, here's the last one. Today, uh, maybe, uh, my, I turned my watch off. Uh, about an hour, two hours ago, like, I'm out there, and, like, we're setting up, like, trying to get things ready. And, and then I'm just out there, like, trying to, like, uh, you know, like, I'm, and I'm speaking today and still trying to do everything. And then uh, I some, had somebody tell me, shout out Isa. She was like, Isaac, stop. Stop working. Go. Just go get ready. Go get ready. And in that moment, I was convicted because here I am, prepped for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks on having to pause and abide, and yet I still mess it up. Yo, I still got problems. I do. I got problems. But in those problems, and as we think through our lives, I think the most helpful thing that we can do is pause and abide. So we'll close with this. We're just going to sit here, sand music, for about 60 seconds. You can just sit there, and you can, again, I like this posture. You don't have to do it. I find it helpful. Um, Sit here and just think through and allowing God to come in So to tell us and remind us and reveal to us that moment by moment we are unconditionally loved and that his word is true. Nothing that we have to do, but solely just remaining and abiding in him, right? Pause and abide. So we'll do that for about 60 seconds. So just sit there um, at whatever posture you want. We'll dim the lights here in a second, and the band will play. But as we do that, let me pray. 